0: And welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. It's uh, December 4th, the last month of the year. And our topic for the day today is the chakra system, which you've probably heard of. Maybe you're quite familiar with it. It's likely you've heard about it all of your life and yet may not know very much about it at all. Yoga, as I mentioned in the um, newsletter, is actually older than any known religion. Some people think yoga came out of the practice of Hinduism, Brahmanism, or Buddhism, or is rooted in the ancient Vedas of India. Actually, it's the other way around. Uh, what's known as that whole collection of Indian religions uh, in various forms as Hinduism, like Christianity, there's dozens and dozens of branches and divisions and types of so-called Hinduism, the religion of the Hindis. But actually, that came out of yoga. And yoga, according to substantial amounts of archaeological evidence, predates even written language, that's how old it is, on the order of 5,000 Years old, so 3,000 BC. That's a that's a long time ago, uh, and who knows how much older than that it may be. There are many types of yoga today, many dozens of schools of yoga, many different yoga practices, although. Of the six or seven common threads that run through all yoga, probably the three best known are pranayama, which is attention to breathing as a way of awakening the self to the spiritual reality of life in form. Pranayama. The second would be, or in no particular order, the second would be the asana, asanas, which are body positions poses, movement awareness, gentle stretching, the physical component that in many ways corresponds to the pranayama or the science of breath. And then the third would be meditation, whether through visualization, uh, emptying the mind, uh, various forms of contemplation, a contemplative Uh, mindful detachment that allows you to observe the mental and emotional processes to watch your life in the present moment, free from judgment and analysis, and free from the feeling that we're driven by our thoughts. Most people in the world will live their entire lives. They will grow old and die, never considering that they are more than what our thoughts tell us we are. And we are, of course, in most cases, driven by our thoughts. We believe we are our thoughts and we do what our thoughts tell us to do. And if our thoughts argue with each other, we attempt to make a decision to reach some conclusion, but we're still trying to satisfy a thought process that we can transcend with these practices of pranayama, asanas, and meditation. Transcend and that you can, in a sense, elevate your perspective to a point that you observe the thought process from a place of mindful detachment. I think a good example, one I've used before, and I'm sure I'll use in the future, So, uh, if this sounds a little redundant, uh, forgive me, is to consider a movie that you really, really like and that you get involved with and are emotionally moved by. And you leave the movie theater as if, well, almost as if your whole reality, identity, and place in the world has been supplanted by the movie. I remember after I saw Jurassic Park, for example, years ago, um, and it had just come out and I hadn't heard anything about it. I was so blown away. I was unconsciously, as I was driving home, looking for dinosaurs on the horizon. I mean, (laughs) my brain was so impressed by the film that my reality shifted to you know there've got to be dinosaurs around west hollywood someplace just <laughs> just keep your eyes out and of course my conscious mind knew better but the incredibly powerful subconscious mind was impressed and it as many of you know the subconscious does not distinguish between reality and imagination only the conscious mind does that And so whether it's our dreams or our movies, it's easy to get caught up in an alternative reality. And then you realize, well, I was just making that up. Well, the vast majority of what people call reality in the same way is just made up. It's just invented by our thoughts and our feelings. It's so subjective and so much a function of the way we think and feel that all you need to do is change your mind and manage your emotional nature and your whole reality changes. This can be called the law of attraction. It can be called uh, the law of life. It's you reap what you sow. It's karma. It's cause and effect. It's uh, what goes around comes around. Uh, You get what you expect. You go where you look. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There's all kinds of ways of talking about the fact that your life is a reflection of what you think about it. And so that can be a kind of a vicious cycle, right, where your thoughts generate your life and your life generates your thoughts. And then that generates circumstances and events and relationships which affect your thoughts and feelings. And around and around it goes. And it can be wonderful and it can be horrible for many people. It's absolutely maddening. And they have this vague sense of prophecy where, oh, I knew this was going to happen, especially the negative stuff. Oh, I knew my... this always happens to me? Why does this always happen to me? Well, because you expect it to happen to you, and thoughts are like seeds. So this is a big part of why somebody would want to study higher consciousness. And part of that certainly is examining the field of yoga as it came out of ancient Hindustan, what we now call India, predating all religions, and in particular the chakra system that we're going to discuss today for a few minutes here in the free intro. It goes until about 25 after, so we've got another 15 or 20 minutes here. And then in the premium training for those who are enrolled. And to enroll, all you have to do is uh, jump over to the website theagelesswisdom.com include the t h e after the w's it's theagelesswisdom.com click on webinars and then premium training and you can sign up for a single class you can sign up for a 13 week term or get a really deep discount uh for uh signing up for a, uh, a full year it's 695 per class $6.95 per class. If you sign up for a 13-week term, it's $4 and change. You can get it down to three twenty-seven. You know, pocket change when you enroll for a year. And um, a much better deal than the $20 we would have to charge if uh, we were holding these classes as we used to do for many, many years in Los Angeles. People had to drive across town. I think this is so much nicer. And You'll always have this class. You can listen to streaming at any time. This is true for the premium training as well. Keep the password in the URL, and you'll always be able to listen to it and download an MP3. Uh, So you can put it on your smartphone, your iPod, or your iPad, and you'll have the audio track forevermore. This program, this free webinar that we're in right now, is also a podcast for your convenience, That's an automatic download into your iTunes. And iTunes, of course, is a Mac program, but it's available for PC for free. Great music organizer. Highly recommend it. And uh, it's a great way to organize all of your podcasts and uh, spoken word audios as well as your music. So get iTunes. Get yourself a free iTunes account and download these podcasts. And they're automatically there every time you sync up your smartphone or you know, your uh, your iPad, your iPod, whatever, bang, it's all automatically in the podcast folder. All of that's free. Okay? So let's uh, discuss the uh, yoga uh, chakra system for a minute here before we do any kind of meditation. And I want to bring up one of the slides I'm going to use in the premium program, uh, in about uh, 15, well, almost 20 minutes. And this shows the chakra system, all seven of the chakras. I've listed them in sort of reverse order. One, two, three is from the bottom up here. So if you look at the graphic, you'll see what appear to be seven flowers or seven circles, uh, seven centers you might say how could there be seven centers (laughs) in a physical body well actually there are systems of minor chakras as well that I'm not going to get into today so you can think of the seven as each having seven sub chakras as well and so what we call the major chakra system is the center of each minor chakra system. And so today we'll keep it simple from the bottom up. We have the root chakra, number one, number two, which looks sort of like an orange six pointed star is the sacral center. This is the, uh, the sacral chakra. Third, which corresponds to the navel or the abdomen sometimes called the belly button window this is where life comes in and where most untrained people will exit the world upon death is through the navel and the chakra that corresponds to the uh to this third position is the solar plexus and plexus is a center of nerves uh, A physical doctor will tell you that there's also an actual nerve hub or center in these areas as well. The solar plexus is third. Fourth is the heart center. And what's interesting about the heart chakra is it's the center of the chakra system. In other words, there's three chakras above and three chakras below the heart center. But in terms of the center of the body or the center of gravity, if we were to balance a human being, that would be actually the solar plexus or the navel. That's the center of your physical body. But the heart, a word that actually means center, is the fourth chakra and the center of the spiritual system that enlightens and illumines and animates. The physical body fourth the throat center and each of these chakras by the way corresponds to a different uh, endocrine system uh, Oh, I lost my slide here hold on let me go back For some reason my system wants me to look at the number of people on the telephone here and I want, <laughs> I want to look at the slides Okay, each of these chakras corresponds to a ductless gland, part of the endocrine system. And uh, the uh, throat chakra corresponds to the uh, thyroid gland. The fifth chakra is the ajna, or the so-called third eye. I said fifth, I meant sixth. Fifth is the throat. Sixth is the ajna, or the third eye, In the center of the brows on the forehead and uh, this corresponds to the uh, pituitary gland in the brain and then the seventh and final chakra actually sits on the top of the head this is the crown chakra and uh, the highest in frequency and it corresponds to the pineal gland or the pineal gland Modern empirical science, physical science, is still pretty unclear about the functions of both the pituitary and the pineal gland, but they have played a role in esoteric anatomy, uh, metaphysics and spirituality from time out of mind. Um, The ancients knew about these glands. I mean, they when people died, they would actually literally, in some cases, pick your brain, uh, take the brain apart, and they found the third ventricle, the hollow or the cave in the center of the head, which is very importantly, um significant, very significant and important in meditation and esoteric anatomy. Uh, they found the pineal gland and the pituitary gland and suggested that they corresponded to these chakras. Now, what is a chakra? It's a vortex. Uh, These are vortexes or vortices. They are metaphysical valves, in a sense. Their touchdown point, again, corresponds to various endocrine glands in the body, but as... And appearance we have these symbols that you see portrayed in this graph but you also need to think of a chakra as a kind of a by vortex or even turnstile the word chakra literally means wheel and yet that wheel is more of a tornado shape that's what I mean by vortex so think of a horizontal tornado that like a wheel or a turnstile is spinning And yet, it's pointed horizontally toward a point on the spine. That is, for the lower five, the corresponding touchdown point is on the spine, also the endocrine gland that they're associated with. And then the last two, the higher two, six and seven, the agena and the crown, um... These correspond to points inside the brain. In the premium training today, we're going to talk a little bit about the way the upper three work together and the lower three work together Uh, to open the heart chakra in the center to raise the kundalini, but also to activate the crown at the very top of the head which connects us in the systems that we're talking about the yoga systems through a kind of a cord or a rope called the shishunda, to the soul on its own plane above and free of form. Now this is a real important concept. The idea in Eastern philosophy that the soul or the spiritual self, many of the Buddhist and Taoist and Hindu systems actually don't talk about the soul or suggest there really is no such thing as the soul. So the crown would be connected through the Shishunna to Brahman, to the one life, or in some systems to Atman, which is the first manifestation of divinity a kind of a group soul uh, that all humanity is connected to. And that's where the Akashic records are or what the uh, Viennese psychiatrist, Carl Jung, called the collective unconscious, a place where we're all plugged in together. So you have Brahman, the supreme being. You have Atman, which is the world soul or the universal soul. But the idea of soul... Whether we talk about Eastern philosophy and yoga, the various religions of the Eastern Hemisphere, or the monotheistic religions of the West, uh, Judaism, its little brother, Christianity, its big brother now. Christianity has outgrown Judaism, but obviously is an outgrowth or a spin off of Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. And the Old Testament, for that reason, is included in. The vast majority of what christians call their bible and then of course islam which came about 500 years after christ uh their idea of the soul is very different that's something that dwells within you for the most part and uh, is stained or corrupted by the ego and needs redemption well in the east the spiritual self is never in need of redemption the mortal self, the egoic nature, obviously could use some improvement in order to manifest its divine qualities. It's going to have to transcend its lower human qualities. And simply said, that's one way of describing the whole goal of Eastern religion and yoga, Eastern philosophy. Uh, Not really all that different from you know, redemption of the soul in the Western sense. Except that um, if to one who embraces Eastern philosophy, there is such a thing as the soul, a middle point between the ultimate God and the incarnated creatures, the creator, the creation, and the creatures. If there is uh, like, like this center that is the soul, it would pre-exist incarnation, it would allow for reincarnation and continue to reflect itself in physical form. Therefore, the soul is available and can be contacted or pulled upon or your higher divine nature if, you know, you don't like the concept of soul. I believe that many uh, Eastern philosophers and students of yoga have a concept of soul. They just don't like the word soul. So it's nitpicky at some point. But whatever is the spiritual self, how about that? But the idea of a spiritual soul standing above you and that you as a physical being are a reflection or an extension of that soul is very, very, very different than the Western view in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, where the soul is indwelling, fashioned upon conception, and released upon death to go where it will, heaven, hell, purgatory, limbo, whatever. Because if your soul stands above you, you can access it now. And the study of yoga and the uh, the chakra system is a way of attaining this enlightenment, this samadhi, union with God, this nirvana, this higher consciousness or awareness, and uh, the realization that you are so much more than the separated self that you fear that you are. Uh, that's the overview. All right, That's basically what we're going to talk about. So close your eyes for just a moment. Let's do a quick meditation. Breathe and relax. And consider, as you create and sense a feeling of deep relaxation, what if your soul does stand above you, is already in heaven, and you are an extension or a reflection of that soul? And what if you could access the wisdom of the soul? Certainly you would do it through the heart. But you would want to align all of the centers, all of the chakras, to create a path of least resistance, so that you could communicate through the very top crown chakra, up to the soul on its own plane, above the three lower worlds. And stand open and receptive to its divine impulse. This is one of the primary differences between spiritual philosophy in the East and the West. You can think of it as your intuition. Your higher self, some would call it your guardian angel. But it's you. Already, standing above you. It gave you birth. It will withdraw and receive you and your awareness upon death. And it has an awareness of its own that is, of course, expanded and greater even now than the awareness of the separative self, the so-called persona, the mask, the personality in form. Open your intuition in states of relaxation to its impulse and stand receptive to the wisdom of the soul. Inhale, hold for a moment, and exhale. Open your eyes, wide awake and alert. Back in the room, feeling rested, refreshed, alert, better than before, with a wonderful concept upon which you can reflect. The idea of the soul Above and free of form, pre-existing, already up there in the heaven, nirvana, awaiting your realization. And what you might call the spiritual wedding or spiritual betrothal of the egoic self to the solar self, above and free of form. for you to consider. Hope you can join the rest of us in the premium training just a couple of minutes from now. i got to run over there and set it up. Thanks so much for being with us. As always, be gentle, love life, take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii.